A lot of religious confusion on salvation in the world today. You know, what, what do I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? How can I be saved? I remember my dad telling a story years ago about a, a you know, denominational preacher that was doing some gospel message, and he said, now if all of you want to be saved, just flick your car lights for me. And he, he allowed them to become saved members of the Lord's church, according to his doctrine, by flashing their high beams. Um, and so obviously, obviously there's a lot that, that, that kind of really makes it confusing yeah. to how, how do I know that I have to be baptized for the remission of my sins? You know, questions about baptism are rampant. They are all over the place. Yeah. So, Wayne, what would you do if someone says, why do I need to be baptized? You know, and you're absolutely right. There's so much controversy that surrounds this particular topic, especially in the religious world. Right. And unfortunately, it leaves folks who are looking for the truth and want to know, it leaves them confused. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's not God's plan. That's, that's because of man's you know, teaching all over the place uh, concerning baptism. And so to, to answer the question, why do I need to be, um, you know, very simply, the Bible speaks in these terms, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Uh, baptism, which also now does save us. Mm -hmm. it, it, it saves us, not a washing of, of dirt from your body, but it produces the answer of a good conscience. Uh, and, and so Acts 22, verse 16, you know, you, you have Ananias who comes into Saul of Tarsus at that time says, you know, Arise and be baptized to wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That is by His authority. Mm -hmm. Just, this is what Jesus has commanded. This is not something that, that we're making up, but this is this is this is what the Bible says. Acts two thirty eight. You know, you have those who have crucified and slain the Lord, have crucified the Messiah. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That was the Lord's plan. To, for the remission of sins, the fact that it saves us. How about Galatians 3.27 that teaches that that's what puts one into Christ, mm -hmm. having put on Christ in baptism. Uh, Romans chapter 6 I, I'd like to look at because I, I think it, to me, uh, this is when it became so very apparent and clear uh, to me. And, and, and I had seen a chart years ago and it had the, the picture of uh, the, the, the Lord on the cross, and it had a picture of the, the tomb that he was laid in, uh, and then it had a, a picture of an open tomb and, and him, you know, a representation of him being resurrected. And then an overlay that was laid over top of that was the picture of a man being uh, dying to sin, uh, being essentially crucified in that way, crucifying sin, crucifying that old man putting him to death, and then being buried, buried in a watery grave of baptism is sometimes how we will word it, and then being raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what Romans 6 actually says. Know ye not, this is verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up, from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And then he, he illustrates it. If we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we'll be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. And so in Romans, he, the Apostle Paul paints a picture of this is the death, 
the burial, and the resurrection for your soul. Well, wait a minute. That's, that's what Jesus did. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, He calls the death, burial, the resurrection the gospel. So literally, we are reenacting mm-hmm. the gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ by way of baptism. Now, that's not the only command that we have to follow. But, but baptism, Peter says, saves us. Ananias said, it washes away our sins. Peter and the apostles on the day of Pentecost said, it's for the remission of sins. Paul wrote, it puts one into Christ. And, and therefore, one puts on Christ. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, the end of that is a summary. In verse 47, the, the saved were added to what? To the body. To the church is what it stated there in Acts 2.47. But we soon find out that that church is the very body of Christ. And so it places one into Christ. It places uh, one into the body of Christ, which is the church, over which Christ is the head. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. So why? Because very simply, that's what the New Testament teaches. That's the, that's the authority that we have. Now let's talk about this for a second. I want to hit on some things that you said. You mentioned Acts 2.38. It says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Yeah. Every one of you have to do this. Now, we know from Scripture indication, those that gladly received the Word right. did this, meaning that there were those there that did not gladly receive right. it. Right. However, I want to hit on something in Hebrews 6 and verse 6. Mm-hmm. The Bible in Hebrews, of course, is dealing with... I love Hebrews and Galatians. They're, they're, they're kind of like twin letters of, of each right. other, and they talk about a lot of the same things. And Hebrews is dealing with a matter of going back to the old law and trying to hold to the old law and not following after the new. But one of the things that's said in here is in verse 6, it says, If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again mm-hmm. for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Right. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that when I sin, I crucify the Lord, the King James Version says, afresh or yeah. anew? It's almost as if it's on a loop where I replay His crucifixion again? Right. Now that tells me something else. Someone might say, okay, sure, day of Pentecost, absolutely, they needed to do it. But that wasn't said to me, the 21st century man or woman, but it was. Because right. I can take Hebrews 6.6 6 and then look at Romans 3.23 where it says, all have sinned. So let, let's change the word up a little bit there. Let's make the Michael Clark version. <laughs> For all have crucified Christ afresh mm-hmm. and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what that verse is saying. Right. All of us have been the reason and the source of Jesus Christ being crucified. None of us can get around it that reach an accountable age. None of us can suggest that we are not accountable for what has happened to Jesus. It's on our shoulders. Every single man that will live that reaches an accountable age, every woman, all of us must become New Testament Christians because the Bible teaches that all have sinned and that when we sin, we are exactly the reason Jesus died on the cross. Absolutely. We talk about Luke 19 and 10, Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's me. It's not just those that were physically living. In the, I think while the Bible is a history book, we need to stop looking at it as a history book mm-hmm. in certain times and, and areas. I need to stop looking at it as a history book when I read the New Testament where Jesus says, I'm here to seek and save the lost. That is not Jesus saying, and the lost are the only people on earth at this time. No, the lost are 
those that had no hope prior to the crucifixion and those that had no hope after. Right. Those are all lost people that Jesus, with the cross, gave hope to. But then, this brings up another problem, and, and the Baptist denomination really believes this. And I have a lot of good friends that are they're Baptists, and they, they believe this, and I, I used to hear it said, and I think there's some truth to it. If you want to find a Baptist church, you want to know that they're a true Baptist church, their baptistry will be empty. And the reason for that is they have set appointed times for baptisms. The reason that they do that, they have a confession of Lord, and then a baptism to show that you're saved later, at a later date. A lot of the Baptist churches do that. What would you do if someone says, can't I just confess Jesus as my Lord? Doesn't Romans 10, 9 and 10 teach that? Yeah. Well, let's look at Romans 10. You know, the, the, the first part of that chapter, you know, Paul, Paul makes a declaration and, uh, that I think is worthy of note here. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. We, we learn certain things. We learn about God's righteousness. And, and, and then you come down a little bit further, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the preposition unto is important there. It's, it's unto. It's, it's in the process going in that direction. That's what we understand by the, preparation, or the preposition unto. That that, that, that that statement is being made there. Yes, we must believe. And there are numerous passages. I mean, somebody would gladly go to John 3.16 and says, we must believe Jesus is the Son of God. They'd have no problem with that whatsoever. We can run to John 3.16. We can run, uh, you know, all over Scripture. And we can find that we must believe. Yes, we, we must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Himself said that, that, that man must, you know, confess me mm -hmm. uh, before men, and I'll confess him before my Father in heaven, Matthew 10, 32. And if, and if he rejects me before men, I'll reject him before my Father in heaven, verse 33. So yes, confession, absolutely, we understand that. Sometimes some people will run to this particular passage and say, all we have to do is confess Christ. But in that same very passage, it says you've got to believe. So it's not just confession. Right. And some people will also use that passage to say that it somehow makes up the makings of what some have called the sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. It's not in this passage. You don't find it. You won't find it in Scripture. A, a prayer, pray to Jesus, or you know, pray this prayer, and Jesus will save you. Accept Jesus into your heart. Make this confession and pray this prayer. This verse is not teaching that. Belief and confession is unto salvation. And as much as we can run to John 3.16 and see that passage teaches belief in another passage, and, and confession is found in other passages as well, uh, Acts chapter 8, we see the Ethiopian eunuch making a good confession. In that. And that's interesting because it's right before he's, he's going down and he's going to stop the chariot. And he says, well, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? Mm -hmm. If you believe with all your heart, you may. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is not. He makes that very confession. That's what Paul is talking about in this particular passage. Right. And he does just that. And they, he stopped the chariot. He, they both go down into the water and he baptized him in the water. Didn't pour it over his head. Didn't sprinkle it over his head. He baptized him. He fully immersed him in water for the remissions of, remission of his sins, as we see in these other passages. 
we are told exactly what to do in order to be saved. And we can go to these other passages. And so you can't take this one passage and say, well, this is it. This is my passage. I'm going to stake everything I have on this one passage. What about the rest of the Bible? Right. What about the rest of the New Testament? You've got to put it as a whole and, and understand it that way, that, that this, is, this is part of that plan. And belief has... Uh, the idea that he believeth uh, unto righteousness literally means that he believes and will do whatever he says, mm-hmm. that he's going to be obedient to what he says. But people want to separate that. But that's, that's right there in that word itself. The very grace of God, the very true grace of God that Peter would talk about uh, when Paul writes to, t- uh, to Titus and he talks about the grace of God, he says that grace delivered unto all mankind. He said that it teaches us. It instructs us, the American Standard uses the term, instructs. It instructs us how to deny ungodliness and then live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. The grace of God teaches an individual how to repent. They were living this way, but you've got to now deny this. Now you've got to live Mm -hmm. soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Right. So you can go to these other passages and you can see, even with the grace of God, you've got to have faith, absolutely. Well, how do we get that? Well, from the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen, and I And I take in all of what Jesus has said, and I take in all of what the New Testament writers have written by the authority of Jesus, and I can see the plan of salvation. And it very clearly includes baptism. Here's a, here's a thought. Hearing produces faith, Romans ten seventeen. Repentance is very clearly seen. Acts 17, verse 30 and 31. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Confession. That confession that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. Matthew 10, I mentioned a moment ago. Baptism. Very clearly you can see. uh, When you look at Acts 2, verse 38... And Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, talking about preaching the gospel to all the world. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then you can go to Acts chapter 8 and look at verse 36. And here's what's interesting when you put all the, those three passages together. Acts 2, 38, Mark 16, 16, and then Acts chapter 8, verse 36 and following. Here's what you begin to see. You see, repent and be baptized, Acts 2, 38. You see, belief and baptism is salvation, Mark 16, 16. And guess what you see? In, in Acts chapter 8, you see confession and baptism. Isn't that amazing? Because throughout the, the, the gospel record and, and throughout the book of Acts, the history of the church, the history of conversions, right. we begin to see that here's that plan very clearly laid out for us. Repent and be baptized, belief in baptism, confession and baptism. And to take one and say, that's the one I want to do, that's just fallacious and, and, and the very idea, the very premise that, that I can pick and choose what God wants me to do. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. The, one of the biggest reasons I believe these verses are utilized the way that they are, and some of the verses, versions I'm going to talk about, I don't have a whole lot against them except for the way they translate this passage. Yeah. For instance, the RSV, with his lips, the confession, and notice how it ends it, and so is saved. Right. What, what does that imply? You're good, man. You, right. you got everything you need. The ESV even says, and is, is saved. saved. Right. Now, I think the ESV has a lot of good. I don't know much about the RSV. I think the ESV does do some things very well. But I also think the translation of that passage is brutal. It is. It is absolutely horrendous to consider that people could look at it and walk away with the same teaching, by the way, that the NIV implies. Yeah. And are saved, is what the NIV states. Right. This is one of the biggest reasons 
we have in the brotherhood. In fact, I think the R.I., the N.I.R.V. says, and so you are saved. Right. Okay, so I'm a new time Bible reader. I go to the Christian bookstore, I buy the NIRV, and I start reading in Romans, and I get to Romans 10.10. If you confess Jesus with your Lord, and in fact, notice verse 9. I just saw this. Say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Then you will be saved. goes on in verse 10. With your heart you believe and are made right with God. With your mouth you say that Jesus is Lord, and so you are saved. How often will that happen then that someone could pick up a version like this and that they could walk away from it and say, I'm saved. Yeah. This is a problem. And it's not because it's, it's the KJV only or whatever. The New King James uses the word yeah. unto salvation. Yeah. I use the New King James, unto salvation. It's not a problem with the King right. James Version versus the ESV or anything like that. It's, yeah. It has butchered that verse Right. in that last part, and it shows how one little part can hurt it. But I want to talk about this idea of, can't I just confess Jesus as my Lord very quickly? In, in Acts chapter 10, you have in the first two verses, just for the sake of this illustration, let's throw out everything else we know about the Bible. Let's just read verses 1 and 2. You've got a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man one who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed to God always. Would you say that he would confess Jesus as his Lord? I believe he would. At this point in time, if you and I were to throw out everything we know about the Bible, would you say he's saved or lost? Wouldn't you say he's saved? Yeah. He, he has all the check marks is what it looks like. But then you begin in verse 5, and the Lord says to him in this vision, you go send men to Joppa and you go get Simon Peter. And Simon Peter comes, and he begins to proclaim the, the message of God. And in the midst of all of this, the only occurrence other than the apostles receiving the Holy Spirit that I can find in the New Testament mm -hmm. is with Cornelius and his household. There's got to be some explanation here. They were Gentiles. Right. That's why the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Prior to this, there wasn't really a true understanding about whether they could be saved or not. You go through Old Testament law, it makes sense because the Jews were the chosen people of God. Right. But Cornelius and his house have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. Peter says in verse 47, Who here is going to tell me to forbid them water? That Notice what he says in the end of verse 47. That what? That they should not be baptized and receive the Holy... Who have received the Holy Spirit as we have. Notice this. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. If you take that back to Acts chapter 2, the same person's present. Mm -hmm. He had them do the same thing they did in Acts 2. Absolutely. For the same reason. They were just fortunate enough that God blessed them with the gift of the Holy Spirit prior to baptism. So I can't just confess God mm -hmm. as my Savior because Cornelius had done that. Then why did Peter need to tell him to be baptized? Now this is the final question I have on this because it's, it's a biggie. Well, what about the thief on the cross? <laughs> he wasn't baptized. When what would you do if that was asked? Was he not? Exactly, right? <laughs> right? We, we really don't know uh, whether he was baptized or not. Uh, and, and I don't want to conjecture too much with that. Sure. You know, but just to simply say, well, we really don't know. We're not for sure. Uh, but regardless, uh, I, I think about Mark chapter 2. Mm -hmm. And I think about the, the, the man that was sick uh, with palsy. He was, he was paralyzed, in other words. Um, and, and he was, you remember, the, Jesus was teaching in the house, it was possibly even Peter's house, and, 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 and there were so many people there, they couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. Well, these four friends that are helping this man, uh, they decide, let's go up through the roof. 
I, I don't know why, you know, that was <laughs> the first thing in their mind. Or maybe right. they thought of a couple other things, but they, you know, all right, maybe this is the last thing. Right. We're going to try the roof. But anyway, they, they, they go up on the roof. They start moving things around, and they start letting this man down. And here's Jesus teaching, you know. And, and Jesus, it, it is amazing because he says, When he saw their faith, verse 5, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Uh, that is amazing because here is Jesus really kind of early on in, in, in his ministry. And it says there were certain scribes sitting there and they begin to reason in their heart. Why does he speak blasphemy? How, how is it that he, only God can forgive sins? Well, yes, that's right. And that's what the whole lesson was really about right here. Immediately, Jesus perceived that they were, were reasoning within themselves this way. And so he asked them, Is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk? So what's, what's the easiest? He says, But, so that you may know that the Son of Man, Jesus himself, has the power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. And I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk, go into thine own house. And he did just that. And I think that's absolutely amazing. But what we learn from that is Jesus had been given the authority to forgive sins, even on earth. He is alive. This is, he's living under the old law. And yet he has been given the authority to forgive sins while on earth. And he does just that. He's still alive on the cross next to the thief who is looking at him and, 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 and will say, you know, uh, you know, you'll be with me in, in paradise. He's going to forgive this man. This mm -hmm. man will be uh, in paradise, in, in, the, in the Hadean realm. And just in moments from now, you know, it, is what was going to take place. But Jesus is still living under the old law. He's still under that authority. And, and we know that not until his death is a new law going to come into effect. And of course, we learned a little bit of that. A little bit later, you know, we can look at Hebrews 9 uh, in, in just a moment and bear that out a little bit more. But Jesus had the authority to forgive sins while on earth. He very clearly had so early on. He does just that mm -hmm. to this very same, to another man, yet he's hanging on the cross. And it's amazing to me that someone would say, I want to be saved like the thief on the cross. No, I, I don't think you do. <laughs> you really begin to look at what's taking place and right. what's happening. No, you don't. You want Jesus under the new covenant to be able to save you the way that he has done so by the shedding of his blood. That's what you want. That's the blessing that we have being a Christian. That's the blessing that we have of a new covenant. That's the whole book of Hebrews. And, and, and so they, you know, many of those early Christians were going back into Judaism. And he's calling, the Hebrews writer is calling them back saying, no, look, it's better under Christianity. It's better sacrifices. It's a better promise that was made. And that's what you want. You don't want to give up that. You, you, you would never want to give up that. And, 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 and Moses, the, that first of all, he, he wouldn't want you to go back to that. When Jesus was the one that he said was going to come, a prophet like unto me, and you're going to hear him. You're going to listen to him. Well, what did Jesus say? He said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And I think it's very clear when we think about the thief on the cross, you know, we, we can't know for sure whether or not he was baptized. I know at that very moment he certainly wasn't. He didn't come off the cross to be right. baptized. Uh, so, so we can see that at the very least. But he did forgive him. 
and he had the authority to do that. He had the power to do just that. So There are a couple of, of ways to look at that too because either A, he had an intimate knowledge of who the Lord was because mm -hmm. he had been taught prior to being put on that cross, which is very possible. And, because and, ver and very likely, really. Yeah, right, because yeah. I mean, what, what do we know? We know this. Jesus was crucified next to two malefactors, one on the right and one on the left. And one of those two is the thief on the cross that we talk yeah, about. Right. That's it. That's the, we don't know that they were together in trial because Jesus' trials were illegal. Right. Indication is theirs weren't, yeah. and Jesus' was. So we don't even know if they'd even cross paths until they both hung on a tree next to one another. Right. So the first part is he, had to have, he probably had some type of knowledge of Jesus as the Lord. Or he saw how Jesus carried himself on the cross, saw the things that Jesus did and said, and realized he was the Lord. That's also possible. Right. I find it interesting, though, that the third part is we want to argue that Jesus is not allowed to use his authority to forgive sins in the sense of it has to be that he doesn't need to be baptized. And it can't be that Jesus overrode the, authority, the, the, the current plan right. sure. because he had the ability like Mark 5 and verse 2 um, or 2 and verse 5 says. But then I think about John 5.30. You know, I really believe, and I hold to this view very strongly, if Jesus could have done this for everybody, He would have. If Jesus simply could have spoken the whole world's forgiveness, He would have. He prayed in the garden, He wanted another way. Right. Why didn't He pray for everyone to be? Why didn't He give us just absolve all of our sins? That wasn't what He was sent to do. He was sent to seek and save the lost. Well, hey, we're lost, just save us. There is no remission without the shedding of blood, right. Hebrews 9.22. Exactly. No true remission without Jesus' blood being shed. And you can argue the true remission of both of these individuals would not come to pass till Jesus' blood was shed, the, the full ability that right. they would have, true. because that's what the Bible teaches. Right. Even still, Jesus had the right to forgive sins because He says, I don't even seek my own will. I seek the will of the Father. Right. So it wasn't even Jesus' will that said, you know what, God, I love you. I know you're my Father. I'm going to forgive them anyway. No, the Father was approving of Him doing it on these two occasions. Right. He allowed it. Because anything that Jesus did had to be done with the Father's authority. You talked about Hebrews 9, though. As long as there was breath in the life of Jesus on this earth, <laughs> He had the right to operate under Old Testament law. Right. Because that's what was in effect. And even some have argued till the day of Pentecost, Old Testament law was still being understood and taught. And even though it wasn't, you know, you have the New Testament law coming into effect, the church isn't started till Acts 2. Right. And so you've got this understanding that as long as there's breath in the, the Savior, He has an opportunity to override anything that's currently in, in, in effect. A testament is in force after men are dead, right. Hebrews 9.17. Yeah. I have a will. I have the right to say, Wayne, I'm going to put you in my will for $3,000. Oh, you crossed me. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to give you $2,500. Oh, now, I, you know what? You did a really nice service for me. You helped me when one of my loved ones died. I'm going to put it up to $10,000. I have the right to do that as long as I'm alive. But if we have some huge falling out and I take you out of the will completely and I die the next day, that's when the will goes into effect. Right. You're not going to get the money now all because exactly. of some weird falling out that we may have had. Jesus has, has the, Jesus has the ability here, I should say, to look at the thief on the cross and say, you know what? Your sins will be forgiven this day. He did confess that Jesus was the Lord by doing what He had done. Right. And by all indication, like you mentioned, we know He wasn't baptized, but if He could have been, wouldn't He have been? Sure. Otherwise, why would Jesus have said your sins be forgiven you? So as far as questions about baptism are concerned, 
They're so important, but ultimately we've talked about three things. We know that we need to be baptized. We know that we can't just confess Jesus as Lord and that it really doesn't matter what happened to the thief on the cross. Right. I'm not the thief on the cross. Yeah, I'm so not in I that have, situation. Yeah, I have to be saved the way that those on the day of Pentecost were saved. Right. By exactly. water baptism. Absolutely. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know Redeemer lives.